Hey, what's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome back to Arrowhead Live. We got episode six here. I'm Grant, here with my co-host, Ori. How's it going, guys? So today we're going to be discussing some updates, uh, particularly the Emmanuel Ogba trade, signing of Keith Reeser, a little bit of Tyreek Hill, some draft news, and then uh, we'll also be going through the mailbag. So to start off with, we're going to start with the mailbag. So the first question we got is from Max, and it says, which would make a bigger difference in the Super Bowl? Uh, a top 10 offensive talent, non-quarterback, or a top 10 defensive talent? Um, I would – it's kind of tough because I think with a with a good running back, um, it, that, that obviously helps a lot. And a lot of people feel feel like if we had Kareem, we we could have done it last year. But I think I'd probably go with top ten defensive talent, especially if they're like a an anchor on defense, like a really good linebacker, or a really good, you know, corner or something like or safety even. Um, so I'd probably go with defense. But like I said, I kind of a wishy washy answer because I think that uh, a good, really good running back is beneficial as well. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, if we had Aaron Donald or, uh, I don't know, maybe even like Jalen Ramsey or mm-hmm. Patrick Peterson, I, th- I think we probably would have gotten it done against the Patriots to get to oh. the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Then uh, we've got to move on to Keith. And he says, who lead who leads the team in rushing touchdowns this year? Um, hmm. I- I'd probably say Williams again. I think that or, well, I think Damian Williams is probably going to be the, the top guy. I know we have Hyde there now, which I think that um, – I think Hyde will get some uh, – a lot of – some – what am I trying to say? Red zone touches, so I think that he can get some easy ones, like some couple-yard touchdowns. But I think that uh, Williams will probably still be on top this year. Yeah, in terms of touchdowns by a running back, I would say Damian Williams. Uh, I mean, I think he'll probably go somewhere like – six rushing touchdowns and six receiving touchdowns, something mm-hmm. like that. It really just depends on his usage. But um, I think Hyde could make a good push for the most rushing touchdowns on the team. Yeah. He's, I think he's going to get a lot of goal line carries. So I'd probably put him at like seven or eight rushing TDs. Um, but overall, Damian Williams will have more touchdowns, I think. Yeah. I think it'll it, – I honestly could go either way, but I think – I agree. I think it'll be Williams. So then uh, going on to Henry says, what draft scenario would surprise you? Um, I think, um, I, I guess that it depends on how you look at it. I think that a lot of people would be unhappy with an offensive lineman to because of our, of all our defensive problems. Um, I think that that could happen. I think what, I don't know if I'd be really surprised because it seems like something the Chiefs would do. Um, and have done weird things in the past sometimes. So, I mean, but that would kind of surprise me if they did that, uh, just because of the need of defense. Um, I don't think a corner would be surprising at all. I think that's what everybody's kind of hoping we do first. Um, maybe, yeah, I think that if they go offense first, I'd be very surprised. about you, Grant? Yeah, um, I mean, really, scenario... <laughs> would surprise me is probably if we take two offensive players in the first four picks. If we take three offensive players in the first four picks, I'll be really surprised. But, uh, I mean, it it really just depends on 
the moves that they make leading up to the draft. Because if they trade for an edge rusher or a DB, yeah. uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they draft two or three offensive players in the first three rounds. So, yeah, I guess kind of going into that, I didn't when I thought of scenario. I guess I was only thinking of first round who we're taking. So, I, but I guess that wasn't really the question. But yeah, I, I agree. I agree with what you're saying on that too. I, but I was just kind of, in terms of what I said, I was thinking of like who we pick first. Um, and then, so then kind of moving on from that one, we get, we have one from Matt that says, what does the DLA contract mean for Chris Jones? And that's DeMarcus Lawrence for you guys that don't know, I'm sure you do. Uh, he just got a huge contract, uh, today just came out. Um, what that means for Chris Jones is that I think Chris Jones is going to get paid more now. Um, looking at the contract, it, it looks like a ton of money and that's because it is a ton of money. Uh, I, I think that Chris Jones is right up there and I, I even say like I might be better than him and especially in the future he could be better I, mean, I don't know how that's going to pan out but it definitely means for Chris Jones that he's going to be making a ton of money when he gets paid yeah we kind of talked about this I think it was a week or two ago uh, with my prediction on the Chris Jones contract I think he's going to come around probably about 21 million dollars like Demarcus Lawrence just got uh, but I think it'll be a six-year deal, uh, $21 million a year. and uh, But that doesn't really matter. It's really all about the guaranteed money. So with like Demarcus Lawrence, he, he got $65 million guaranteed, and they pay him $65 million over the first three years of his five-year deal. So, I mean, they can essentially cut him after the third year and have yeah. no dead money, so... It really just depends on the guaranteed money and how they structure the contract in the early years for Chris Jones, and that'll give the Chiefs some flexibility in the future. Um, and then moving on to the question from Jacob, do you think the Chiefs will trade up in the draft? Uh, really, Jacob, I think it just depends on how the draft starts falling. Uh, if there's four quarterbacks taken in the first you know, 22 picks like people are expecting to happen with uh, Murray, Haskins, Locke, and Daniel Jones. I think some players are going to fall to the Chiefs that they really like, and I think they'll stand pat. They could even trade back at that point. Uh, and then if, especially if, you know, two, one or two tight ends are taken in the top 20, 28 picks, as well as Josh Jacobs, uh, it's really going to make some, some defensive players drop uh, to the Chiefs, particularly defensive backs, maybe DeAndre Baker or uh, Murphy out of Washington. Yeah, I agree. I think that most likely we won't move up. I think that um, if anything, I, I could see us moving back. Uh, I think that. Well, I mean, with that being said, though, I don't. I think that it's been proven that we'll go up and get guys that we like if we have a, our eye on a guy that we are really fell in love with. I don't think it would be insane to, to say that we would trade up for him, but. Like you were saying, I think some I think guys will fall, and I think that um, things will kind of fall into place for us. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then moving on to the question from Rob, um, price of the midfield upper level season tickets. Um, honestly, Rob, I really have no idea. Um, I know they cost about thirty dollars per game per ticket, um, and I know that the Chiefs do uh, deals. To where like you can get obviously eight eight game package uh, with you know if you get two tickets at 
$30 a piece, they'll usually knock a little bit off. So it'd be like $50 for both of those tickets for eight games. So um, I really have no idea. I wish I could tell you more on that. Yeah, I don't know a whole ton about it either because, I mean, I, I figure I would probably know more about it if I lived in Kansas City. I, I don't. I have to, me and my dad usually just try to go down for at least one a game, one game a year, sometimes yeah. two. So we really just try to get a good seat and don't really worry about keeping the same seats every time. We kind of try different areas. Yeah, unfortunately, I live in Arlington, Texas, so I've never been able to buy season tickets. But you know, hopefully, in the future, I'll be able to do that. Awesome. Um, and then to the question from Brett, is Jeffrey Simmons worth a first-round pick? Um, I would say Jeffrey Simmons is absolutely worth a first-round pick, especially where the Chiefs are drafting. I think a lot of people would be kind of upset if the Chiefs were to take Jeffrey Simmons in the first round, at least this year. But he has a chance of coming back in the uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, he's been injured since February, so... Um, you know, that would put him at maybe a 10 week, nine or nine to 10 month recovery period. And he could make it back. But, um, if they did draft Jeffrey Simmons, I think they would just rest him for the entire year. And, you know, he's, he's a top 10 prospect for me, uh, probably a top eight prospect and, you know, it's an ACL, so it's not anything super serious. ACLs are easily recoverable, um, with modern medicine. So. Yeah, and uh, I looking at him, he is like his physical stuff is off the charts. He like has just has great strength. He has really good athleticism. Um, I think he can fit in a lot of different types of schemes, defensive schemes. Um, I just looked. I was looking him up earlier. And I was, it was saying they're comparing him for the, his NFL comparison to Dominic Sue, which is you know saying a lot. You know whether you like him as a person or not, or how he plays. He's a beast, so I think that, that that kind of says it all right there. Yeah, and then to the question from Mother Goose, when will the Chiefs be done drafting? Uh, so their last pick is actually the second pick in the seventh round, which is on um, Saturday evening. And, you know, I mean, I expect Brett Veach to make some trades, so there's really no telling about that. But as of right now, their last pick is the second pick in the seventh round, so... Yeah, and I think that, yeah, like you said, there's not really a way of knowing for sure what's going to go down. It always ends up being a little different than what it looks like on paper at the beginning. So then uh, for the third thing, we got the Eric Murray for Emmanuel Ogba trade. Uh, So my opinions on it, I think that I don't even know if Eric Murray was going to make the team, going to make the roster this year, So, and I am certain that Ogba will. I know that he's had he's had some injury problems in the last, uh, you know, in the past, but he has proven that he he can get to the quarterback. He only had I think it was four sacks last year, um, but I think that uh, he's going to improve. Like I said, he was he had some injury problems and that kind of held him back. Um, and I think that, I mean, I don't know if, if the Browns see something in Murray that. We didn't, or but I, I'm thinking it's going to be a pretty good trade for us. Yeah, I mean, it's low risk. I would say mid-level reward uh, with Ogba. I think he's pretty versatile. I have no idea what Spagnuolo is going to do with him. There's been talks of him playing on the inside. There's been talks of him playing defensive end. But 
there's one thing that we did point out earlier in the week, and that's that Ogba had eight pass deflections at the line of scrimmage, which is last year, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And Chris Jones is kind of a pass deflection savant as well. Um, mm-hmm. And Eric Murray wasn't really doing anything for us. He was going to get probably going to get cut. And of course, the Chiefs took advantage of John Dorsey having a strange addiction to the players that he's drafted. Yeah. He just he just can't let him go. I mean, Eric Murray hasn't been very good, and of course, Dorsey trades a decent player in Ogba for for Murray. But I mean, nonetheless, they're both reclamation projects. I'm just hoping Spagnola can get something more out of Ogba than than uh, the Browns can get out of Murray. So it's going to be rough trying to for for the shorter quarterbacks trying to throw over Ogba and Chris Jones on the line. Oh, for sure. And especially Philip Rivers with his sign-on <laughs> delivery. If he's going to try to throw over the middle, it's going to get knocked down. Gonna Probably, I'm, I'm going to predict, between the two games that the Chiefs play the Chargers, I would say a total of six passes get knocked down. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and then moving on, the Chiefs signed Keith Reeser, who was on the practice squad, or not on the practice squad, on the training camp roster um, in 2018, and he got hurt. And then in 2017, he played week 17 with the Chiefs um, against the Broncos when Patrick Mahomes started. And I believe he had two pass deflections, and he allowed two receptions on four targets or something like that. So in his first real NFL experience with the Chiefs, at least, um, Reeser looked okay. Um, And then he got injured. He was given an injury settlement agreement, and then he went ahead and moved on to the AF to play for the Orlando Apollos, and he ended up being the second-best player in the league. Yeah, and I think that it's, it's kind of a no-brainer signing just because of the familiarity he had. He had a good year coming off the injury um, in the AF. I, obviously, different levels of talent with receivers are covering and quarter, the quarterback play and stuff like that. But um, with our lack of depth at cornerback, I think that... Um, We'll take anything we can get. And if we think this guy has some potential still, um, then uh, he's a pretty he's a pretty young guy. I think that uh, giving him a shot's a pretty good pretty good idea. So then going on to uh, Tyreek Hill updates, um, hasn't been a ton. There there's been uh, some like sightings of him. I've seen people putting screenshots of. Uh, his sister, I think it was, uh, saying, yeah, he's good, blah, blah, blah. And it um, hasn't been anything major in terms of the Chiefs have said, have really said anything too much about it. Have, have you heard a ton? No, the Chiefs haven't said anything. The league hasn't said anything, and neither has the uh, Overland Park Police Department. Yeah. But as of lately, the past few days, Tyreek Hill has actually been really active on social media, particularly youtube and snapchat he's been posting a lot of videos and he actually posted a video um on his youtube page uh, i think it was yesterday or the day before um basically a video of him training and uh at the end of the video he said i'm not gonna let any analysts define me and then which i would assume is a slug at the kansas city star and all the other people that were jumping to conclusions on him and then uh he also said Thank you to uh, Chiefs Kingdom for having his back 110%, and he's going to be back. So back, as in back to playing football, I would assume. I I can't sit here and assume that that means that he's going to be back with the Chiefs, but 
you know, I, I don't think anything, I don't think anything's going to happen to him. If the league decides to suspend him, the league decides to suspend him. Um, especially with the Zeke situation where there were several situations that Zeke was involved in and it was just a pattern of behavior that Zeke got suspended for. It wasn't just the domestic violence. He actually got suspended for conduct detrimental to the league. So if the league wants to suspend Tyree Kill, I guess they have the right to do so. But I don't think he's going to be released by the Chiefs. That's my personal opinion, especially not this this late after um, the reports coming out. So, right, yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think that I don't think it really helps doing any speculating. I think you kind of have to let things fall where they may. I don't know that. Um, anything's been proven or anything like that. I don't even, we, do, we really it's been pretty quiet around th- about it, especially um, with the, with the league and the team. So you kind of see how it plays out. Yeah. Now moving on, we have a list of the private top 30 draft visits. So that prospects have made with the chiefs. So basically what a private top 30 visit is, is the chiefs get 30 visits total, um, for players to come to Kansas City and meet with the team at the facility um, privately, just one-on-one. Um, and then the team only gets 30 of those. They don't get any more. So uh, they use those wisely. And typically the Chiefs draft, you know, two or three players um, based off of who they who they visit with prior to the draft with those top 30 visits. Last year it was Dorian O'Daniel, Derek Nottie, um, that they drafted, and then they signed uh, Devon Grayson, who is a wide receiver from Eastern Carolina. Um, they visited with him as well. So going off of that, um, the first player we're going to discuss is Alex Barnes, who's the running back from Kansas State. Um, Barnes is a bigger back. He's six foot, you know, 226 pounds, and he actually had a decent showing at the Combine. And... He ran for 1,355 yards in his final season at K-State, which is which is pretty good. But he's an upright runner, and he kind of has some work to do. So I'd probably peg him around rounds five to six. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree with uh, probably around five is what I would say. Um, he's got good strength, good. Uh, he's but his he's got pretty average. Uh, ability to like elude and like create a run and stuff. There's not good, great blocking. Um, he doesn't really have the greatest downhill burst. Or, right, he's not like a really speedy guy. Um, he, I, I, I don't. He's not like super exciting to me. Um, I think that I don't think he'll be t- a terrible running back by any means. But um, I, I don't know. He's a, he's a, has he's above average size, and um, I, I don't know. I just I think he'll go around round five as well. Yeah, and it's kind of it's kind of confusing dealing with um, Kansas State players because there's just really no telling. I mean, they're those players they run such a uh, oh what's the word um, like scientific scheme basically, and they do everything based off of the numbers, and not a lot of guys are statistically productive. Um, for Kansas State, and you know, year to year, they're actually a pretty decent team, and they never have any players that just dominate. You know. Yeah, I agree. 
So moving on to the next player, um, we're going to discuss wide receiver Andy Isabella from UMass. Um, he's a 5'8", 188-pound uh, wide receiver, and he actually, actually, actually destroyed the combine. He ran a 4-3-1, and I believe he led the nation in yards, receiving yards. I could be wrong, but um, he was very very good statistically at UMass and uh, he had he's had 30 touchdowns over the past three years and he's got all the skills he's just a little undersized yeah I, it, for like an overview I think that he's really he's really competitive um, pretty well-rounded on both you know uh, pretty well-rounded receiver good at possession uh, both elite quickness and long speed um, he's pretty has decent strength uh he's uh what else what else do i have to say about him i, I think that his uh, for, i've I, I actually watched him a little bit i think that um from when, when they were talking about when the announcers were talking about him when i see when i watched him i don't i don't even remember why i saw this game but they were talking just kept talking about how um how competitive he was he wants to work and i think that's better than some guy that's just thinks he's the best and just trots around and kind of a diva i think he'll be a hard worker yeah i i agree on that and uh one other thing of note is he led the ncaa and uh or led draft eligible wide receivers in yards per route run with 4.15 yards uh and he was second in deep receiving yards with 705 so i mean the numbers are there um it's really just a question of his if he can hold up at the nfl level at you know mm-hmm. five eight under 190 pounds that'd be scrappy yeah i hope so I, I like isabella um if he's available in the third round that's a guy i would target uh, i think he could be available in the third round based off of his size um and i i don't know he he could go in the mid second round to early third round is what was what i'd have to guess though so. Uh, moving on to the next player is uh, Jay Sternberger, the tight end from Texas A&M. Uh, he, I believe he led the NCAA or draft eligible tight ends uh, in deep pass receptions uh, with of 20 plus yards, and he had seven of those. So Jay Sternberger is a basically a wide receiver in a tight end's body. Yeah. Really like him. He's 6'4", 251 pounds. It was a little underwhelming at the combine in terms of speed and quickness, but I mean, to be honest, he reminds me a little bit of Travis Kelsey coming out. He's not a great blocker, but he's a fantastic receiving tight end. So, what do you yeah, think? He's, he's willing to. He's like he's willing to block. The problem is, is he at the NFL level? He's just not going to be big enough to do it. He's not going to be strong strong enough or big enough to block that that well as a pro. Um, like you said, he has he's really athletic. He has above average ball skills, really good, pretty good route runner. Um, but he's not going to be a great blocking tight end at the NFL level. No, I don't, I don't think so. And I mean, that's kind of the knock on him. And that was, to be honest, that was the knock on Kelsey as well coming out of college yeah. that he wasn't a blocking tight end. That's kind of the reason he fell to the third round of the Chiefs. So. The NFL comparison I have on here when I looked him up was Jacob Tammy. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's he's a better receiver than Tammy. 
Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, that's that's a size and athleticism comparison. I don't I don't really see that. Um, I think he's more of a receiving threat than Tammy. To be honest, you remember? Well, obviously you remember. You're from Iowa, but Tony Moyaki. Yeah. He reminds me quite a bit of Tony Moyaki. The same, they move the same way, and um, I think they can be similar players. And Moyaki was actually a pretty good receiving tight end for the Chiefs before his career was derailed by injuries. But yeah. Anyway, moving on to the next player, uh, we're gonna discuss Jeffrey Simmons, who we talked about a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can go too in depth on him, but uh, as you know, um, the torn ACL. And uh, but he was one of the most dominant defensive line defense, arguably the most dominant defensive lineman in all of the all of college football. Um, definitely the most dominant in the SEC. Um, and he was he was fourth in draft eligible defensive linemen uh, for run stop percentage, and he was ranked 17th um, among draft eligible defensive linemen in pass rush productivity. So he's a very well, well-rounded player. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, like I said, I think that he's he has a pretty rare combination of strength and athleticism. And he, obviously, he dominated. His, had that injury problem, which was a little concerning, but I think he can get over it. Um, I think that uh, he, I, I think that he'll be a stud. I don't know that the Chiefs will draft him. I don't know if the Chiefs will get a chance if they'll draft him first, but uh, I think that he has definitely the physical tools to do whatever he needs to do in the NFL. I think he's definitely capable of it. Well, what, whether he does or not, I don't know, but I think he'll be an early starter. Yeah, and honestly, I, the Chiefs brought him in for a visit. Obviously, that's why he's on this list. And I think I would say that that's just a method to gauge his recovery. Um, I think he was a player that was linked to the Chiefs early in uh, mock drafts before he was injured, um, and then he's just kind of dropped a little bit. The Chiefs need an impact player today, basically, but um, if if they can get him in the second round, you know, if they draft an edge rusher or a cornerback in the first round and then they trade up in the second round to get Jeffrey Simmons early, I really wouldn't mind. Um, I love Jeffrey Simmons, and honestly, I'm waiting. I'm willing to wait a year to see his, to see what he becomes. Um, as you remember, the Cowboys drafted Jalen Smith and basically did the same thing. They sat him for a year with that horrible knee injury that he had, and they weren't even sure if he was going to make it back at all. Um, and he's turned out to be an almost a, a great linebacker for them, basically almost yeah. elite level. Um, and he's still recovering, obviously, but he gets better every day, every day. So. Um, yeah, Jeffrey Simmons, the Mississippi State defensive lineman. I'd love to pair him up next to Chris Jones. Yeah, agreed. So uh, moving on to the next player, it is LJ Collier, the defense or the edge rusher from TCU. Uh, we kind of discussed him mm-hmm. a little bit last week, and I don't know. He kind of falls in line with what the Chiefs have been looking at at defensive end, I'm kind of confused because they already have a lot of those body types along in the defensive end room with Alex Okafor and uh, Breland Speaks, 
Emmanuel Ogba now and Asenio, you know, all of those guys are around 270 to like 290 pounds. So LJ Collier fits that mold. But I'd like to see a guy with a little bit more speed on there. In that yeah, respect. it seems like they're really trying to go with like the power bull rusher type these days. Yeah, which is interesting because you hear a lot of people say that pressures are more valuable than sacks because pressures lead to turnovers more often than sacks. Because what happens with sacks is a lot of people don't really factor this in, but whenever you sack a guy on second or third down and they're in a long yarded situation, their offense becomes more aggressive. And if the Chiefs are any indication... You could see how they just absolutely destroyed third down last year. And no no third and long situation was too long for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. So, yeah. Like like I said, you know, if you put pressure on the quarterback and, you know, they force an interception or something, then that's really what you want to do. So I think the Chiefs' focus is collapsing the pocket. Yeah. Um, moving on to the next player in Jalen Ferguson. Uh <laughs> That's another player that we discussed. Um, Ori, what do you think about Ferguson? Um, I think, yeah, we kind of already talked about him when we had Willie on the show and then the next week, too, week too. Um, I don't I think that I'm not 100% sold on him. That's my opinion on it. I think that his potential, I don't know if he's going to be, I don't know if he's going to be a starter Early on, I don't. In my opinion, I don't think he'll start right away. He'd have to work his way up, you know, which is fine. That happens with a lot of players. I don't know if he'd be my top pick. I think he could. I think he'll make an NFL roster, but I don't. In my opinion, he's just he's not my pick, not my top choice by any means. Yeah, I mean, for me, Jalen Ferguson is a second round guy as well. Um, he led the NCAA in sacks, as we know, so. The, the talent is there, but um, and he, you know, he's just another guy that fits the mold of the defensive end that they're looking for. Um, uh, what's yeah, that? They're they just the more I like think about it, it's just like they, I, I get it that they're like kind of going away from what we've been we've done in the past with guys coming around the edge with Holly and Houston, and they're trying to switch it up. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, I'll, I hope it works out, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm on board with getting all these slow guys. Yeah. Well, moving on to the next guy, um, Tim Ward, he's an edge rusher from old dominion and he was overshadowed. I think we discussed him last week as well, but he was overshadowed by O'Shane Zimenez, um, at old dominion. And he's actually a taller, leaner guy, surprisingly. Um, he was six, six, 255 pounds. Um, and I think I want to say he ran his 40 time in the four sixes at his pro day. I could be wrong, but, um, yeah, so Tim Ward and he, he also dealt with some injuries. He hasn't played more than 475 snaps in any season of his time at old dominion. But, um, I see him as a late round flyer guy, um, maybe sixth or seventh round, possibly undrafted free agent. Um, but I like him. I mean, his film is pretty good. He's explosive. He can bend the edge a little bit. Um, but he does have some work to do. Yeah, I agree. He does have work to do. He's a big, he's huge though. I mean, he's like, he kind of fits the, 
Spagnolo length requirements. So he's like six five. Um, I think that they saw him at the, the regional combine. I think they must have liked what they saw. So that's why, because you, you only get thirty of these visits. And if they are having him, then they obviously have seen something. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be mad if they if they drafted him. I don't know if he's going to be. I, I don't know. He's he was kind of overshadowed at, at Old Dominion, um, but I think that he would be, he would be a decent a decent pick. Yeah, kind of a project, but um, yeah. as you said, with the length, I think he kind of fits the mold of what Spagnola wants as well. You know, and I think I brought this up earlier in the week on our Twitter page. Um, Ogba and Chris Jones are like the top 1% of the... Or no, Ogba and Tano Passanio are like the top 1% in arm length of the league, uh, which is pretty crazy. And Tim Ward kind of fits that mold as well. So uh, moving on to the next player, it is Imeki Egbule, the linebacker from Houston. Ori, why don't you take the lead on him? Okay. So for him, uh, he's an explosive outside linebacker. Um, he's got a lot of upside. Um, he's kind of lacking in skill, being consistent with aggression. Um, he is definitely going to excite some some of the GMs. I think that um, even if they don't have to have his rush skill, has like if it's not really honed, I think that they know that he has the athletic ability to get better, and they feel like they can teach him. Um, it, I was reading about it. it. Says he's good at driving back in coverage, um, harassing pass lanes is really well, which is definitely, uh, you know, a big perk. Um, but yeah, he's he's kind of he's gonna need to develop some more and be a little more consistent. But I think that if he can do that, then he'll he has a good chance to be good, like really good. Yeah, and I think he fits best as a Sam linebacker in our scheme. Um, I think he what was he six. 6'2 or 6'3 and about 245 pounds. 6'2, 245, yeah. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So um, he's actually a very similar player to Damian Wilson, who they just signed to play Sam linebacker. Um, so Ekbuli could be the type of player that comes in and competes um, for the Sam linebacker position. But again, he's a player, a late-round player, um, maybe round six or later, possibly undrafted free agent. And just really quick, that's the type of of players that they're bringing in. Um, the Chiefs know who they like in the first round. They know who they like in the second round, probably. And if you look at this list, all of these guys kind of have question marks surrounding them. I mean, Andy Isabella, his size, Jay Sternberger, his pass blocking, Alex Barnes, um, his all-around talent. Um, so everybody really has questions surrounding them. And these mm-hmm. Chiefs, just the Chiefs just want to bring these guys in to get a better idea of who the players are. So yeah. just because they have Imeki Egbuli and Tim Ward um, in for top thirty visits, it doesn't mean they're going to draft them in the third round and spend way too much on him. So I just want to throw that out there really quick. Um, and moving on to the next player is Sioni Takitaki. <laughs> An awesome name, I love it. But um, anyway, he's a BYU guy, so. Andy Reid doing his annual BYU due diligence. And uh, I think I think he's had some legal issues in the past. He might have gotten kicked off the team for, for marijuana or something like that. I'm not exactly sure. But um, he's a decent player. Uh, he ran a 4.63 at the Combine. 
and he came in at 6'1", 238 pounds. So he's kind of in, in a tweener. He's not really a wheel linebacker, and he's not really a Sam linebacker. And obviously, I don't think he's a fit at the mic, but um, I don't know. He's he's definitely a on film. He's very aggressive, um, and he shows a little bit of pass rushing ability um, for for blitz sub packages and everything like that. So um, he's kind of a player that fits. But once again, he's just one of those players that are they're trying to get a better feel for before the draft. Yeah. Um, and you said something about his legal trouble. He, yeah, he kind of went. He kind of—it's it's funny. I'm reading his overview. So, went from wild and immature to married man and team captain. <laughs> so I think that um, he's kind of reeled it in over the years. Um, he's has some uh, some upside. He's got upside to him. In 2016, he sat out to get his head right in his own. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. He didn't get kicked off. He sat out. Yeah, yeah, yeah he sat out to get his head right. Um, but he doesn't. Have, he's not really super fast. But he is kind. Of, he will when he wants to go. Like he's gonna go. Like he, he's really. He can be really strong. Um, he he has some deficiencies. Um, I think that I, I don't know if he'd be my first choice if I'm gonna pick some, some of that position. But um, he could definitely be a good special team player. And um, if not, then he could be a backup. I think he could be a backup linebacker. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, he's not my one of my favorite guys, but um, I think that uh, he, has, he has a chance. Yeah, I agree. Definitely a depth player, possible special teams guy, and uh, certainly a late-round pick. Yeah. Um, now, moving on, we have three cornerbacks on the list. Um, the first one that we're going to discuss is Lonnie Johnson, the cornerback from Kentucky. Um, and ironically enough, the three guys that they've brought in so far um, are all kind of the same mold. So it's kind of the same thing that we're talking about with the edge rushers. It kind of seems like the Chiefs have a type at cornerback as well that they're looking for. Um, So as for Lonnie Johnson, uh, he allowed a catch percentage of 51.4%, be 18 receptions on 35 targets, um, but he did allow three TDs and uh, only caught one interception. Um, so his film isn't great. Um, he was, he's okay. He's a physical player. Um, definitely a, a press guy. But uh, as you know, he was with Matt House at Kentucky. So if Matt House vouches for him, then you know there's something there, in my opinion. Yeah. I think, the, yeah, like, Going on, so we said the type of guys we're getting. He's definitely like a long and tall guy. He's really good physical traits. Um, he, he, you know, he looks the part. Uh, I don't know if his consistency is the best. His ball skills aren't really what's expected at the starting NFL cornerback. Um, he has enough athleticism to do it. I think that he, uh, th- this type of scheme he's in is gonna is gonna really depend on his success. Um, He's like I said, he's really gifted physically, but uh, I don't know if he will start right away. I think he has the ability to start right away, but he has to get his ball skills right before he uh, gets to that. Yep, I agree on Lonnie Johnson. Uh, he's definitely got some work to do. Uh, I I think a team's going to overdraft him in the second round, 
Um, I think that's a little high for him. I think he's more of a late third, early fourth round pick. But we'll see. So the Chiefs brought him in for a visit. Um, and as far as I know, that's the first guy that they brought in with a Matt House connection. So that's that on Lonnie Johnson. Now we're going to move on to the next player um, in Amani Oruwarie. I don't know if that's how you say it. It's mm-hmm. the best you can do. Um, anyway, uh, he's a cornerback, another long uh, long physical cornerback from Penn State, um, 6'1", 205, and he ran really well at the combine, 4'4", 7, um, and was really quick. He had a 6.82 three-cone drill and a 4'1", 6'20-yard shuttle, so those are pretty good numbers for a long cornerback like that. Um, and then really quick, um, if you in 2018 and 2017, uh, he allowed six touchdowns and had six um, interceptions, and he um, allowed 77 target or 77 targets and allowed only 40 receptions in 2018. So that's a pretty good number. Um, not great considering the touchdowns that he gave up, but uh, 77 targets is a lot of targets, um, and I like I like Oruwariye's. I like his film quite a bit. He's another physical cornerback, a little more well-rounded than Lonnie Johnson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a, definitely a big cornerback. He has above average length. He's going to be a decent per- press defender. I think that um, I kind of already talked about him the last time we, because I had him in my mock draft, picking him in my mock draft. He, he needs to win off the line, like I said previous Um or he's going to be a target for quarterbacks really quickly because he doesn't have the speed to let make up for it if he's been beaten really right away. Um, but he's definitely a really good pass disruptor. Uh, he's willing to step up, to take step up and hit somebody and take some uh, run support. Um, I think he'll be considered like a scheme fit for like his own heavy teams with um, uh, physicality and press as well. I think he'll be. I think he'll be a decent. Uh, I think he'll be a starter. I don't know that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think he might have to work up to it. I don't know. I think he might have to sit out a year before he's a starter. But um, if he can, uh, if he can start winning off the line of scrimmage and things like that, then um, I think he can be a stud. Yeah. Yeah. That. I mean, once again. He's just another guy that fits the mold of the cornerback that the, the Chiefs are looking for. Yeah, big and long. Yeah, big and long. I mean, but you kind of saw what – I mean, it was Sutton back in the day, but what they did with Sean Smith and how he impacted the team. And um, he was good for the first couple years. And then after you – I think did he, he went to the Raiders, right? Yeah. Raiders, and then he got in trouble, and he kind of got exposed there with um, – uh, his coverage skills, but a physical player like that, similar to what Sean Smith was in Kansas City, is kind of what they're looking for. Yeah. So moving on to the next player uh, is Joan Williams, who is a 6'3", 211-pound quarterback from Vanderbilt. And uh, this is another guy. Um, his coverage skills aren't great, but... He's just a guy that if he gets his hands on you at the line of scrimmage, he's going to throw you off 
off the course of your route and uh, he's going to get you in trouble. It's going to take a lot longer for your routes to develop whenever Joe Williams is covering you um, just because he's going to, he's going to bully you at the line of scrimmage. And uh, he, he does have some ball skills. He had four interceptions last year. And, um, but the one issue that I saw with him on film is that he gets, if he gets burnt, um, off the line of scrimmage, if he's not able to get his hands on you and you get around him, um, he has some trouble recovering. Um, and that's kind of indicative of his 40 time, which was a 4.64 at the combine. And they said he improved that at his pro day. I think he ran like a four low 4.5, four but mm-hmm. honestly, I don't trust the pro day times. That's just me. So, Yeah, uh, like you said, he's a long press corner. He has an ability. He's definitely has ability with the size and aggression, he uh, it will definitely go up and he can not get bad away contested catches and things like that. Um, he has a lot of traits to build on. I think that um, he has pre- a little bit of a press inefficiency. He doesn't have the best speed and inconsistent ball skills, but I think that, like I said, he goes up, fits what they've been looking for, big, tall, long, long, go up in there and fight for ball, you know, fight for the ball. Yeah. So, I mean, that after we discussed those three players, you can kind of see the mold of what uh, the Chiefs are looking for at cornerback now. Um, and then lastly, before we go, um, we're just going to go around the NFL really quick. There's a couple of things we want to discuss. Um, the first thing is the DeMarcus Lawrence contract, which we mentioned earlier, uh, which go a little bit more in depth on it. So, um, Demarcus Lawrence getting a one or a five year one hundred and five million dollar deal, uh, which just comes out to twenty one million dollars a year. That's going to have major implications for the pass rush market, and the reason being is Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack got twenty two point five million and twenty three point five million um, per year, and those are arguably the two best defensive players in the league. Um, and I probably wouldn't even put Demarcus Lawrence in top ten in the league um in terms of defensive players so you'll see what this does to the pass rusher market especially with Clowney and frank clark getting ready to have uh to get new contracts um and then also chris jones coming up soon so i wouldn't be surprised at all if all three of those guys end up with over 20 million dollars um per year but i mean it really remains to be seen um especially if the texans are shopping Clowney or if yeah. the Seahawks are shopping Frank Clark. so Yeah, so then, uh, I mean, yeah, I agree with that. I think that uh, he, he's definitely paving the way for even the, even the even better guys to get paid even more money. Yeah. Um, I think that you kind of covered it all there. So going on to the next one, um, this is the collapse of the AAF. Um, I, my opinions on it is that um, I thought it was a good way to, to get some of these guys that couldn't quite make an NFL a cha- another chance. I, I, uh, we signed a guy off there. He kind of proved himself a little bit. Um, I think that it was interesting enough to watch. Like I didn't watch a ton of it, but like when I would catch a game, I thought it was, inter- it was entertaining. Um, I, I apparently the finan- didn't pan out financially, but um, it's, yeah, it's kind of disappointing that it didn't work out. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm disappointed, too. And it doesn't really make sense because, you know, they were 
I mean, they were filling the stands. You know, they had twenty to twenty five thousand people there um, every game, and I think it was getting pretty good viewership um, on the networks. And but I think it came out that they were actually paying the network to show the games, mm. um, and that's that's where they had a lot of issues is because they were paying big money to these networks to uh, to show their games over other products or other shows and stuff like that. Right. I just don't think, I don't think that the income or the revenue was matching the output um, of what, I don't know, what is his name? Dundon or whatever, Dudon, whatever his name is. I don't even remember. I mean, eight weeks, and he's lost $70 million. So yeah, That's crazy. There's definitely some serious issues going on with that, and I think there's going to be a lot of legal implications. Mm-hmm. And it sucks It sucks for those players because, you know, a lot of those guys were, you know, they signed three-year contracts hoping that they could rebuild their stock. But um, I don't know. We'll see. And who knows what's going to come out in the next, you know, few months leading up to the launch of the XFL um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the XFL had something to do with this, um, just because uh, McMahon has a lot has a lot of money, and he could have, you know, the the numbers could have indicated that the XFL was gonna wash the AAF out, and uh, you know, and then at that point, Dundon would be even out of more money. So yeah, all right, that's well, it. I think about wraps it up for the this episode thank you guys uh, for listening i hope you enjoyed it and uh, have a good one yeah and before we go really quick i just want to mention um if you haven't already um follow us and go retweet the giveaway for the priest holmes collectible um for your chance to win on that um that's it guys thank you for listening have a great week and uh we'll see you back for episode seven go chiefs